Vegas Bad Boys Podcast presents Matt Michaels People I Don't Hate How you doing, man? Oh, I've been uh, I've been uh, sleeping all morning uh, after a lot of travel. So it was sometimes these promotions are fantastic, but they sometimes don't always prepare all the way through the night, including like where we're going to go. And sometimes it gets a little hectic last minute, but we're here. It's good to see you. I'm glad this worked out. Yes, I am uh, very happy. Uh, we got a chance to do this. Um, the uh, the show on the 26th uh, is what I'll, you know, be uh, kind of plugging. Um when we saw that you were going to be, you know, the headliner on that show, um, that's when we decided, well, you know what, let's put a little behind Effie and Ricky said, I love it. Ricky said no one had, uh, like reached out about Effie yet. And I'm like, well, fucking lock us in. What do you need? Um, and, uh, it's a, it's an important thing to me too, because, um, I myself am bi, um, but even more so when I was in, uh, you know, high school, I'd started acting when I was like five years old. I also started wrestling when I was 10 years old. <laughs> so I had that cross love. And, uh, you know, as I got into high school, I stopped doing the sports and I started focusing on theater. And there I had so many friends who either came out to me, um, or, you know, were open with us, you know, um, and then um, about 10 years ago, um, one of those guys, um, uh, and I grew up in Chicago, so he, uh, in Indiana, was at a party, and he was there um, with a friend of his. They didn't really know these people, and when they walked in, the guys uh, who were already, you know, the alphas there were drinking, and... Um, basically picked him out for being gay and took him outside on the front lawn and beat him to death. Damn. And so, terrible. Horrible. It's it's just fucking awful. And um you know that that's the kind of stuff that I really am passionate about trying to make people understand that you know, hey, lifestyle choices are something that you perceive as choices but when you're born that way it's not a choice it's who you are and it's not like you know you're going to uh, you know be hit on constantly or force it's so funny when we think about guys have this perception that other guys will rape them or, you know, try to get them in bed. Yet, those same guys don't have any problem getting a girl drunk and fucking them. And then, whether or not she said yes or no, they don't care. Yeah, and obviously, there's there's uh, anger through misconception is a really big problem, too. You know, so that's... it's. I've always kind of said that, like, I obviously have a lot of privilege. Like, I'm a six-one white male. Like, at the end of the day, I'm a gay man, but I blend into society a little bit better than right. most people 
who live, you know, their lives out loud. And so when I have that advantage, I always kind of consider, okay, well, if I can have this advantage and be as loud as possible and stand up front and say, okay, well, if I'm going to get things thrown at me or hurled at me, I can at least stand up for myself and put myself up as a protector because I know I am physically able and I am a large male and I can fight my way out of things a little bit better than others, but that the situation should never be that we have to fight our way out of anything. It's good to have someone there to say, hey, you know what? You know, I don't put up with it and I can fight back. But the situation of having to consider, you know, fighting for yourself is also like it's still a bummer and it's not great. But, you know, with it being Pride Month, um, it, it is a time where we get to kind of stand up and go, hey, you know, this is who I am. And, um, you know, as we come out of COVID, I think people are dealing with a lot of uh loneliness a lot of uh tiredness of being on their own a lot of being stuck at home and stuck in a state of thought and you know taking those times to step outside the world and whether that's you know in real life or virtually and taking the chance to have pride in yourself or have pride in your friends and family if you are an ally of the community uh those things you know we have to have those moments of positivity too to make sure we're bringing it out and showing people that hey you know what you're going to face some resistance but there's also a world out here where if you come to this world you're not going to meet as much of it possibly you know yeah yeah then no that was very well said um and it's it's interesting too um you know in mentioning pride month um growing up in chicago the pride parade um i think for yeah about when i was in high school so in the early 90s that's when it started getting um a little bigger and a little more attention to it and by the you know late 90s now you saw that happening in chicago to a bigger level um by that time i was also in la so i mean west hollywood is a fucking party <laughs> right right it's so fun and it's you know and it's so accepting and one of the biggest events that just kept getting bigger and bitter um throughout the um the years um so it's 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 wonderful to see that it's gone from small parades in 30 years to being able to openly celebrate a whole month as compared to you know just having your little niche of friends and being protective of each other um now you, you know there's at least some acceptance yeah and i think seeing that the sort of growth of pride season obviously there's always resistance of like oh well pride is corporate now and pride parades are corporate and why is colgate giving out rainbow toothpaste and that sort of thing but you know i i was the celebrity grand marshal for the Tampa pride recently, which is incredible. Yeah. It was the first pride of the year. And as that is in May, these pride parades go into October and they are happening nationally and they're across our country. And we have time throughout the whole summer, you know, geographically to take our turn in these different places where we're not overshadowing each other. We're not stepping over each other. And each place has a time to celebrate their pride and being at that position to be grand marshal, one of the people I got to share a stage with and hear speak uh, was Jay Chutney, who was at the Stonewall riots. He yeah. was there. You know, a lot of them had been there for Judy Garland's funeral. It was a uh, a big place for gay men to come, and she meant a lot to them. And as things escalated, and his telling of the story, you know, as hard as it was to hear, where people are being beaten and people are being, you know, homophobic slurs are used, and that's the least of the concerns. 
hearing the sort of triumphant nature of, of what's born out of that and seeing the pride now and seeing that there's so much more, you know, for me, it's sort of, hey, let's let's make sure we're including all of our marginalized communities and we can be a little bummed that there's this much corporate presence, but also I think we would have wished uh, for a corporation to accept us, you know, years ago, as dumb as that sounds. And even if they're behind the times and even if they're catching up and of course they're going to put up a rainbow for June, you know, there's at least that traction in public. And sometimes like you don't know what people are going to see and how people are going to understand acceptance. And right. if the toothpaste company saying it's okay for people to be gay makes even a little difference, we've got to at least kind of take in their good nature for it. And so I think in wrestling, that's sort of the same reflection around this time. There are a lot of pride shows. There are a lot of times for getting together, but focusing on what talent is being brought up and uh, what members of the LGBTQ community are a part of those shows, you know, that's a big part of looking at it. And I think that's, you know, a big part of what this show is going to be about on the 26th, you know, is really highlighting that talent. And I spent a lot of part of this, this like pandemic time trying to create these shows and trying to, um, you know, bring forward more of the LGBTQ talent. And now to have someone else step up and create a show where I can just come in and wrestle and the rest of these talents are booked already, you know, it, it shows you that there's progress being made and that there's excitement behind the LGBTQ talent. Uh, and that makes me happy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, just so uh, listeners and viewers know, um, we're talking about Saturday, June 26th. It is loud and proud. It's being uh, put on by Big Valley Wrestling here in Las Vegas. Um, it's uh, going to be a 7 o'clock bell time. Doors are going to open at 6.30. Um, and it's uh, benefiting um, the LGBTQ Center of uh, Southern Nevada, which is very important. Um, you can get tickets at Eventbrite. Um, so please look into uh, getting your tickets now because uh, it's hopefully going to sell out and, and you know sell very quickly here. Um, we got a couple weeks here until um, the uh, event happens, um, and uh, you know Effie is going to be headlining. But you also are going to get a chance to see um, Jay Vidal uh, is going to be on it. Um, and of course, of course, uh, the other names I will have in a second. As uh, no, I think I think Ashton Starr is on this show as well. I think so too. Uh, I know MV Young, uh, Tommy Purr, um, The Shade, and uh, Jay Vidal, uh, who's yeah. one of my favorite guys in, in the world. He's such a sweet, sweet human being and a fucking phenomenal performer. Um, yeah, he's a little scarier in the ring than sweet. Honestly. Seriously, right? And you know, yeah, it's kind of a fury about David Al, right? And it, you know, it's kind of nice to see. Um, and I think you've kind of talked about this a little bit in the past of how you can incorporate who you are into what you do, as compared to just being a gay wrestler, you know, and having that be just kind of like yeah stereotype character you know the the stuff wrestling has done now you're just a wrestler who yeah i'm gay you know and i think that's very important because holy shit i mean mikey paro is another one i think you're wrestling him uh coming up here soon too yeah right? that's gonna be bloody oh boy Paro's <laughs> crazy that guy's nuts and uh that'll be fun but i mean 
I don't mean to jump you off, but yeah. I, you know, kind of what you're getting at is sort of like it's less of a you know, oh, here's the here comes the gay wrestler, here comes the gay one that we're gonna have, here's the gay one coming out, and I think the way I look at it is, you know, obviously there's always going to be that easy take of like, well, why do you have to have an all gay show? Why can't you have an all everybody show? And you go, okay, well, you don't understand, you know, what's going on and that's fine. But all of us are so unique in, in our talents and in our skills. And I think having us together on these shows, people really start to understand that, that lumping someone together because, oh, they're in the LGBTQ community, they must be this type of wrestler, they must do this. Yeah. Being able to authentically come out and be ourselves and say, okay, well, I've been told before that I'm too feminine in the ring. I hear this all the time from wrestlers. Oh, they said I was too feminine in the ring. Oh, they already have a feminine character in the ring. And and this is a, a thing that major companies are telling these guys and girls uh, about how to be and how to act. and. I think saying, okay, well, as a wrestler tonight, if I am feeling feminine in my motion, then I will be feminine. And if I'm feeling more masculine, then I will be more masculine. And having trust in yourself as a performer is not something we teach as much. And I see it, you know, across the country. I, I go all over the place. So I see kind of wrestling everywhere. And what I see is that instead of teaching people to trust their guts and to trust themselves in the ring and to trust what their heart is telling them to do as trained athletes, they are constantly thinking about what other people are going to think of this. How are this? How is this perceived? How is this taken? And I want to have those environments in those locker rooms where we can take risks. We can be encouraging of each other taking risks. And you're not going to go out there and we're going to go, oh, well, that was just too weird. If that's what you're feeling, if that's like in your body, that's what we want to see. And the people who are coming to these shows now are are very open and accepting. I've always thought wrestling fans were more accepting than they let on because we will always give something a chance, I feel like, if it comes yeah. into the ring. But now so more than ever, as these crowds have expanded beyond what normal wrestling crowds look like of, of what a normal person would say a wrestling crowd looks like, there is a thirst and a hunger for something different. I mean, even yesterday I was in a, a suburb right outside of Pittsburgh for Enjoy Wrestling and there were people there who were non-binary, there were people there who were transgender, there were people there who were uh, people of color. It was such an, a, an eclectic cloud, cloud crowd mix in there. <laughs> And they were all just as vibrant for the wrestling as anyone else because we are able to narrate these stories to make sense to everyone, but we are not excluding anyone in our storytelling. And we are also including more people because if someone who has struggled with gender dysphoria or who has struggled with who they are can see someone like them working in the ring and being a star and being able to conquer and overcome and do this you know, really high energy spectacle of a performance that we do, it can be something that, you know, brings a better light of positivity to the community it's a weird business pro wrestling has always been a weird thing but for those of us that are willing to understand it and jump into it now more than ever there are stories that are able to be told by these performers that you weren't able to get years ago and it's really i mean it's becoming very magical you know and that's that's an interesting point um because when i think about you know being a kid um and starting in acting one of the first things as a little five-year-old um who's just discovering acting was the fact that we were doing uh at local community theater type level just for kids shows like the wizard of oz and peter pan and it was like musicality not the broadway musicals you know yet but it would be the doorway to me finding broadway musicals and i kind of look at that the same thing as as wrestling I think that it's very um, 
just so wonderful that now kids can look at pro wrestling, especially on the indie level, because there's so much work to go on the top level that you now can walk into, you know, a, a match and a, you know, or a show in a, a gymnasium. And I think it's twofold. One, you can look at it as a kid and go, wow, you know, I could be him or her. But also, if you look at it from the perspective of if kids are starting to um, see it as a, at a young age, the acceptance of it, you know, if they're not, if, you know, if they're 15 and they're not gay, you know, at that point uh, in their lives where they're going, okay, you know, I'm straight, blah, 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 but I still understand and enjoy this. And enjoy the characters and enjoy seeing what's going on because I think that's another thing too. Relatable characters, whether they're gay, straight, you know, black, white, the fact of the matter is, is that stories that are relatable are something that anyone can enjoy. And I think that's a big thing too, is that there's just so much more to explore in terms of, hey, this is, you know, this is my struggle. I'm going against this person. I want to beat this. You know, everything that you would see in a regular, you know, just uh, uh, a match or, or storylines, it just is now finally becoming like a common thread that that is so much more important for growing open minds in a younger generation. I don't know if any of that made any sense. <laughs> it did. It did. And I mean, the first thing that kind of comes to mind is sort of when I think of those sort of centers of acceptance, like you said about kind of getting kids into theater early and showing them that this is okay. When you can kind of give younger minds the confidence in the things that they're interested in and put a little more confirmation behind it rather than, well, no, that's for girls or that's for this or that's for that, or you don't do that. It, it gives them the confidence later on to try new things. And that kind of creates more balanced people. But the issue we're running into and where the translation is difficult is on the indie level, when we are taking care of ourselves in these storytelling ways, uh, characters who are people of color, characters who are, you know, indigenous peoples, characters who are non-binary, transgender, you know, uh, agendered, asexual, there are nuances within the way they tell a story that yeah. they need to tell their way of doing it and when we look at the high level of tv they are excited to get into our market as sad as that sounds they're excited yeah. to be more in the lgbtq market but they are not willing to take their hands off to give us the clearance and give the community the clearance to say we're not telling stories that are that much different than what you're telling we are telling them with new angles and new nuances that you have not been able to tell just because of we are born different we were dealt with different things but if they don't allow us to keep our fingerprint on the whole thing they're going to run into more problems by trying to stick to their guns yeah. trusting us and trusting that we know what we're doing at these independent levels yeah they can say they're smaller shows they're in here but our cultural significance is no less when you look at the distribution of the internet and the ability for this to travel to people so yeah. for them not willing be willing to take like sort of that chance into hey uh 
you know, maybe maybe we trust you to pitch this to us and and we trust that your experience that led you to understanding how you wanted to put this together, you know, there's a particular reason and way you want to do it. And we'll if it doesn't work, we can have that conversation, but we'll trust you to do it. Instead, there is, well, we know the industry. We've been in the industry for 30 years. We know how this business works. We know how this works. You can't do that. You need to go out there, just put on the tutu and do the spin. It's going to be great. And so when we're up against that, where I am at now in this sort of, I had a beautiful breakfast with MV Young this morning, if I'm being completely honest, in the Pittsburgh airport, where we sort of had the discussion of as people come to us, as we become more known in the industry and we are more industry-wide, people are going to come to us to ask how we do things and how we do what we do. And this is getting to a bigger point, I swear. And it's that we will never be the complete inside team. There are members who have made it to the inside team and I love it and it's great and I want everyone to get paid. We will never be the inside team. And as people come to us and ask for our advice of what we've done, they have to also come in with the understanding of if you go too far into our team, there's a risk they won't want you anymore. And that's a risk that we've understood. But there is a confidence in what we are trying to do and expand into and get wrestling uh, past just wrestling fans that requires that risk. And the best case scenario for all of us is that the risk takers do really well and everyone else has to keep up because as things become standard, companies catch up and we are going to force new standards and force new practices and force new changes by just not being like them and forcing their hand to come the other way. If the paycheck was even, and I said, one side is going to let you do whatever the fuck you want. And the other side is going to tell you exactly how they need things for their advertisers. You're taking the same check where you can do what you want. We are trying to provide those roads and pathways, but we are also giving the warning up front of they don't like it when you're out of line too much. So just be careful with us. We want to take everybody to the top with us. You can look at me even in the Tampa Grand Pride Parade. They had a, an article about me and a picture and it still said, you know, and has booked many talent and had started listing off other LGBTQ talent. It's the real. Okay, I'm going to. Uh... And. Cool. And so as people come and want to get more known in the industry and more known in indie wrestling and get more opportunities, there is an understanding that we're a little loud over here. You might get tossed to the side of what they want over here if you follow our path. But if we can push things in that direction, if we can change the shift of things, if we can make the decision harder of you picking you know, the TV spot over the independent spot, if we can make that decision easier financially for you to go in the other direction, let's try to do that and let's push them in our direction because they'll have to follow. There is a formula in wrestling where everybody says something goes a certain way. Every wrestling documentary, if people watch it, if you didn't know, this is how it goes. There's some dip, like, can I cuss real quick? Yeah. There's some dipshit like Terry Taylor, who's a fucked up, you know, motherfucker backstage going, we told him it'd never work. It would never work. It doesn't work in wrestling. That never works. And then he did it and it worked. And by God, it was over like Rover, baby. And it's every documentary they do. And so for people to say that the next step in expanding our industry is to fall in line and listen to mid carters and listen to idiots who are never truly over tell me how to get over in wrestling. Once we move away from that and get a little more uncomfortable with being uncomfortable or whatever, however they say it in meetings, uh, we will see that there is more to wrestling than what the rules have taught us. And even in the internet age, uh, there is still a placement for giants to fall. And I think the next two or three years is going to be super interesting because 
we're going to have a very strong push from the outside rebellion, not to use old Star Wars terms. <laughs> These empires think they've got everything unlocked. They've locked up every stormtrooper in the galaxy. Anybody who can aim a gun is welcome to the team. But will the artists be attracted to it when right. the opportunity to make just as much money and be themselves and have the same sort of control over their creative is presented to them and they don't have to go suck on the teat of corporations just to get the opportunity to wrestle yeah that was kind of <laughs> that's no that's a that's a great very great point um especially when when you bring up a name like terry taylor and you just think boy this guy was he played a red rooster like what the fuck that's not like <laughs> anything you can connect with in terms of the reality right. of things you know and if those are the guys making the decisions it's just like it's crazy let me ask you when you um when you started getting into um putting shows together and essentially you know going into that end of wrestling obviously you'd been doing it for a while and was it something that attracted you in terms of creating an environment that the performance would feel more um control over more you know ability to to try things not not to be accepted because we know we're going to be accepted but to try different things that maybe you know you wouldn't try you know in a match in uh you know virginia on a you know saturday afternoon um just having that kind of uh, camaraderie and spotlight where you can um, just kind of explore the characters. I think one of the best things you said um, is the fact that wrestling is kind of one of the last forms of physical improvisational in the round theater. And that's spectacular. I love that, um, you know, description of it. So, was it a challenge, uh, you know, being able to create an environment and create a show that will not only bring people in, but give the performers a chance to, you know, feel free to try things? I think the challenge for me, you know, was taking the organizational step to do it. I felt like it was an absolute necessity at this point. And I think there had been other gay leaning shows and pride shows, but I think linking up with gcw really made a difference because yeah. when we are at gcw there's sort of a testing process of i'll use you i'll see how you do i'll see how you do out in the wild on your own and then i'll kind of see what we need to do again and getting through that sort of testing process and finding a consistent place in the gcw locker room you know seeing the way the fans reacted there was sort of the idea of like well do you want to do something on your own you know joey had done shows and they were looking in that direction and I didn't because I hated having to book my friends. I hated having to book all this stuff and put it together. But I was like, but I absolutely have to. I am in a position where I can do this. I, how could I not do it? And what I found as this pandemic hit too was it really changed the way I booked in two ways. And the first is we had about one third of the budget of our original Tampa show. So I am looking at a much uh I'm having to ask favors. That's where right. I'm at is, hey, you know, if you trust me on this, I think it's going to go somewhere. I think this is going to be more trust me on this and go with me on this. And everyone was ready to go on the ride with me. You know, my concerns were not even real. It was, of course, we'll show up for you. That's incredible. Let's do it. And getting to see that moment 
in GCW, I feel like there's no leash on me. And I take that with me everywhere. There's no one who can put a leash on me anymore. It's beautiful. I show up and I do what I want. There's no questioning. It's whatever you want, sir. And that's magic. And you earn that over time. Yeah. But to bring that sort of leashlessness to the rest of them and say, hey, I know what bookings you guys usually have. And I know they're assholes to you. And I know they tell you how to be and what to do. The first speech I gave was in that Indianapolis. And they said, you got to give a locker room speech. I said, okay, I'll give a locker room speech. Okay, everyone listen up. I said, here's two things. One, I booked you because you're you. Please don't try to be anyone else. I don't have time for it, but be the most you you can be. Really be you. And then I said, second, this is the LGBTQ show. That building is the straightest, most heteronormative, concrete piece of shit building I've ever seen in my life. Please be extra, extra whatever you are, because we need to add some flavor to this building. And looking back on the show... I don't even really pay attention to the fact that this building is as straight as it is because there was such a vibrance in the ring and such a vibrance amongst the performers. And I was looking through the GIFs on Twitter today. You know, the, you just click the GIF button and there's GIFs in there and people right. have been adding them of me. And there is a genuine joy on my face that you can see of just like, I can't believe we pulled this off. Everyone came together. And to know that everyone's matches were so good uh, was really magical. It was, it was great. And as these opportunities kept presenting themselves, I go, okay, well, not only are we going to bring back our faves, but there's so many more talents out there that we can continue to bring in and having the chance to go, okay, I know you've never heard of this person, Brett, but trust me and him to go, absolutely. I trust you. I mean, when you're in charge of the top independent company in the world and I can have your ear and say, this is a person and I can get that motion done. I think that that's something we have to hold on to with, with as much might as we can and keep showing out. But what you've seen is the expansion of these LGBTQ performers in the other shows and showing up in other places and seeing Billy Dixon pop up at For the Culture, which he is a black man, he is a gay man, but having that sort of unexpected crossover of like, we know Billy would be on the gay show because he's gay, but oh, he's oh he is a black man as well. There was sort of that sort of audience surprise in that. And then seeing Edith compete in the Acid Cup, seeing Dark Sheet compete at Real Hot Girl Shit and Edith as well at Real Hot Girl Shit. And yeah. sort of just seeing this expansion, it's really exciting and it's good because you're putting people in front of a new audience who are going, I may not have considered these performers, but whether or not they, you know, will admit it out loud yet, I think there's a lot more fruitful stuff coming out of it. And that's my goal at the end of the day. I want to walk away from wrestling when the time comes, you know, when it's all said and done in my wheelchair, probably. And I want people to go, well, at least he set this up so we could go in the right direction. And that's what I'm hopeful for. But it's not just me. And when I look at other LGBTQ talent, MV Young runs his own shows, Polycult Parties. Billy Dixon is running his own shows. Paris is burning. Butch versus Gore. Um, Dark Sheik, owner of Hood Slam, running now in Las Vegas. There is so much in our LGBTQ community that we go, okay, yeah, we're performers, but we are so used to doing it on our own and right. DIYing everything that we go, oh, you won't give us a venue. You won't give us a place. You won't give us a show. You won't do this. We will find someone who will. And that sort of fuck you attitude has kept everything moving. And when people see, oh, well, I thought Effie was just a big star and they see me on the ground putting in the work when they see MV putting in the work, when they see Sheik putting in the work and really going out of their way to make sure when talent are brought in that they're treated not like we were early on treated at some of these shows yeah. and taking that to the next generation, they are more willing to go ahead and say, well, I can do things on my own too. It's a magical set of dominoes that we're creating here. And it, it would be dumb of me to be like, oh, well, Effie's done so much. There's such a team collaborative effort. And I had someone ask me the other day, uh, they were like, 
oh, are you guys close? LGBTQ wrestlers? I was like, we're absolutely the closest because everyone has made us outsiders. So we're all standing outside going, all right, so are we going to do something? Yeah, we are. We're doing it. So it's exciting. Oh, no, you know, I love that. Um, I always liken it to when you're a performer, you kind of have, um, you know, that almost that little rascals um you know hey we're gonna put on a show and you know it's like you know anytime you saw the little rascals put on a show it was in this clubhouse shed that they had with yeah. you know this makeshift stage and somehow they were able to get beautiful backdrops <laughs> for- oh i mean they really still put on a show they were not concerned about the situation being not yeah. perfect i learned jokingly about warehouses if if something in wrestling is called an arena, it's usually not. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> oh, we're at the arena tonight. It's not. <laughs> um, you know when you when you uh, when you look back at um, your your earlier um, years, and um, obviously discovering you know yourself, who you are. Um, who were some of the influences or what were some of the influences on you that, um, you know, kind of fed into who you are today? Because I know a lot of times, you know, they, some of those inspirations are not even um, things or people that you would expect um, because you find so many different things as a performer, um, as a talent you find different venues, different avenues that you love before you're even performing. Are there any things that stick out to you? You know, I, I've kind of thought about it recently. Uh, I, I joke and say FE stands for, you know, the E is electric, the F is fantastic, and the rest is fuck you. And I kind of am trying to figure that fuck you out, which is I think there's frustration for myself growing up seeing the representation that was in wrestling that was considered LGBTQ or considered gay representation. And, you know, the Billy and Chuck gag was entertaining TV, but it wasn't gay men portrayed. Adrian Street will tell you plainly he doesn't like men. Uh, Gold Dust was really fast at the time to reject the character. And I think he's turned around a lot and had a lot of life changes. But when you look at these characters who are saying, hey, we're portraying gay people and they do such a such a an exploitatory job of it. I think now where I am, I go, all right, well, I'm the real fucking deal. And I have to hold myself to a level of accountability where I am authentically myself. But also if I want to be a dirty, kinky pervert, I'm an, I'm a gay man. And I certainly will be. And holding that sort of contempt of like, I actually can do whatever the fuck I want. And y'all were stepping over boundaries because you shouldn't have been doing what you were doing and you were trying to make your money and that's fine. But knowing that y'all stepped over the boundaries then as heterosexuals portraying gay men in a usually negative you know, light, guess what? We can do whatever we want. And I think sometimes I'm often told, oh, well, you're just turning up too much of the gay thing. Can you talk about something that's not gay? Can you do this? Can you do that? No, I don't have to do anything. I can be as loud as I want. I can yell about what I want. I don't work for anyone. I will say how I feel and I will be a loud fucking queen bitch who you can't get rid of because the people want to see me and the, the, you know, the lights come on and the big boy entertains. I often joke that 
uh, I don't bump. Effie does not bump. And in wrestling, that's kind of a funny joke because if you really watch what I'm doing in the ring, girl, I'm working the ring. I am a yeah. worker through and through. When I really think about, I can jump out all day about, okay, here's the references. Every day I step in that ring, I just want to be Terry Funk in Japan. That's what I want to be. I want to be Terry Funk rumbling through the Japanese people that are just looking at him like, holy shit, Terry Funk. And he's being worshipped and throwing flowers and doesn't give a damn because he's got to beat some ass. He's always on a mission to beat ass. I love it. He never gives in. God, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. It's to me like Terry Funk is the spirit of wrestling. And I, I, I think when you look at an overall career, he's someone who is involved in everyone's career, like in some way or fashion who is big in wrestling, but he'll never step in and be like, you know, I made them and I did this and I was there for that and this and this, and he'll never be the one they're first promoting in any of the hall of fame things or anything like that. It won't be that for Terry, but we know the workers know that like it's Terry Funk. It's motherfucking Terry Funk. Yeah. (laughs) And, And it's funny you said that. I think, um, uh, the first two live shows that I saw the WWF back in uh, about 86, um, Terry was on um, the first show I ever saw. And there was something about him that even though, and I think this happens a lot of times too, where you gravitate towards a guy who is a heel and you don't know at that age why you liked him. Because at that age, a lot of times you're just into the heroes that are being presented to you. But it's that outlaw feeling that even back then as a kid, I could feel that, oh, oh, this is someone who just doesn't feel like it feels like he doesn't think he belongs. You know, instead of walking out with that attitude of, hey, you know, I'm popular. You guys love me. That kind of thing. It's like. I gotta go prove myself. I'm gonna kill this yeah. guy. Yeah, so much fun. I gotta go. I gotta go show them that I, I'm not no baby boy. I gotta go handle this. Just that, yeah, that funk march and that. I don't know. It all works for me, baby. Yeah. Um. You know when you um when you look at uh, a cause um like this where you have um the LGBTQ center of Southern Nevada. There is so much that they do to help, you know, anyone in the community. But really a big thing is, you know, younger people who are 14 to 18 or so who get kicked out of their house, you know, all the struggles that come with that. To have centers like this doing that type of job um, and giving an avenue for them to um, to go to, to at least get some kind of acceptance or help had you ever been at a point um where you were looking for that type of guidance was there anything that you saw out there that you could turn to and um or even uh, if some of the other wrestlers might ask you or not even the wrestlers but fans you know uh, coming up and asking you about different avenues where they can find a place to fit in and feel comfortable. Have you had any kind of experiences like that? I mean, definitely. I mean, this experience recently is 
since I started the Wrestling is Gay clothing line that I am, have been putting out, we've been able to raise over $4,000 so far for uh, the Lost and Found Youth Center in Atlanta, which is of a similar vein to the LGBTQ Center of Southern Nevada. They are helping with homelessness uh, amongst LGBTQ teens in Atlanta. They are helping not only with getting housing and things like food and shelter and basic you know, clothing, they're also helping with job skills and helping them get, you know, trade training and helping them find mentorships and find people in the community to talk to. And as you know, as I kind of grow into the community, I want to make sure that people always know like, hey, please feel free to come to me and come talk to me and come find me because we have to be able to reach out to each other. And if someone is coming to you with that source of communication, you may not be the person who is going to help them all the way. But if you can get somebody on a little bit of a step towards the right direction, you know, you probably have more knowledge than you think. And if someone's coming to you with questions and you have even a little bit to give, it's good to make sure we are taking care of the people around us. And, you know, you're going to meet a lot of good people that way too. When you're checking on your community, when you're making sure the people around you are safe and taken care of, you are going to learn a lot more about where you live and who is around you and who the members of our community are. And I think in wrestling, something that we see all the time, and it's not even just like, oh, someone was injured, here's a GoFundMe. I think even amongst fans and amongst, you know, family and wrestling, when someone is down we look to help them you know get back on their feet and i hope that we continue that same you know push and regard to our lgbtq brothers and sisters and so as we grow wrestling is gay you know i'm talking to people and we're looking at what the next steps are the immediacy for me has always been that we uphold that commitment to making sure a stupid statement like wrestling is gay, which, you know, they, they would say that to me growing up and I go, Oh, is it? Oh no. Am I? Oh no. Now it's a positive statement of it is gay. I love it. It's fantastic. It's going to be gayer than you even think. And we were able to give money back to these community charities. I want the charities, you know, to be able to look out and go, wait a second, pro wrestling is able to donate money to us. Pro wrestling is able to give back to us. And it's not these big companies. It's not these cable places. My cup runneth over. That's what I always say. I've people people know if they've got a problem, if they've got a thing, you come to me, and it's you never have to beg, you never have to ask. The cup runneth over. Am I in a perfect situation for myself? No, but am I in a situation where I can help out getting merch for somebody if they're just starting out? I can help out if somebody hits a bill they don't know about. Yeah, and I think we need a better safety net for wrestlers overall for that. Yeah. But if I am able to make as much money as I make in wrestling and I look around and I see people working just as hard as me, for me not to share the wealth, and this sounds selfish, for me not to share the wealth is pushing against the longevity of an industry that I want to remain a part of. We have to find ways to keep people excited about wrestling, not pushed away from wrestling, and not feeling like if they want to love wrestling, they have to fit in a certain mold or box. There are little things we can do to take care of our brothers and sisters and friends and families and theys and thems out there that all we have to do sometimes is ask. So, you know, take the chance, look out for your people and give it away. It will come back. It's money. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. <laughs> Help your friends out. You know, um, I'm, I'm glad you kind of said the, this um, because it brought up a thought in my head. I trained in the early 2000s at UPW in uh, California. Um, Samoa Joe was one of my trainers, Tom Howard. Um, John Cena would fill in. You know, there was a great, um, just Christopher Daniels would teach classes. Just a great network of, you know, guys who either had been in the business for a while or were going places in the business because they were under developmental contracts. But one of the things that was interesting 
It was the early 2000s, and there were barely any women at all getting trained, and those who did had to wrestle with the guys, which I think evolved to what we're seeing today, which is wonderful. Now, like you said, you love wrestling. You want to be around it as long as possible. Have you ever thought about, in the future, opening up a school where that idea of acceptance and you know exploring how to develop characters as you know lgbtq people um have you ever thought of that like having a center where hey we can develop everyone in a place where we understand where it's coming from as you were kind of talking about that you know empowerment of you know knowing what obstacles you are going to face where i think you know you go to most training places nowadays it's a little more accepting but at the same time most of the trainers have not experienced being a gay person in the business is that something that would ever interest you in in doing I definitely think so. But I think, you know, looking at physical location is something I've sort of moved away from because even as I've started to do some seminars and and started to do those in person at certain promotions, where I find the difficulty is number one, you know, I'm a real emotional performer. You get the Effie who shows up that day and I don't want that emotional performer aspect of myself to spill over into teaching. And I don't want my particular mood in that time to spill over into teaching. And what I have looked at doing is sort of taking it in a more digital direction of meeting with people online, doing these Zoom calls, even setting up, hey, here's the standard videos. Here's, you know, two hours on this subject. Here's two hours on this subject. Once you get through this, let's meet up. Let's talk through this. I think the physical training aspect of wrestling, this is my real hot take for your show. (laughs) Physically training for wrestling as much as wrestlers do is absolutely detrimental to their longevity in the business. Once you are a trained professional wrestler, I think you should take your time in the ring. I think you should take your time learning the ring you're going to be in for that night. I think you should take your time with your opponent to go over your things if you feel that is necessary for you. But as trained wrestlers, the fact that these guys are out four or five nights a week bumping through practice matches over and over a practice match bump and a bump in front of a hundred thousand people feel the same on your spine. And we are telling these kids that by practicing matches is over matches is matches over and over and doing these spots over and over that they will be perfected. When in reality we have an audience who is so, um, uh, diluted by the amount of wrestling that they are privy to all of these tricks that we think are being taught. And by moving in a different direction from this perfected eight minute TV match that we are so excited to see for four hours every week, it, it, it takes away from what a lot of wrestling was. And, you know, Vince said we make movies and he wasn't wrong because the moves are all a very integral part to a wrestling match. But if you do not have an emotional connection and a storyline through and something that lets you grip onto the actual information versus there's a lot of wrestling I see that is slippery. I'll leave it at that. It has no grip. There is nothing to hold you there. Everything is perfect. Everything connects. Everything is exactly as it should be. You hit every pose. You said, come on. And you did everything perfect. There was nothing to grip onto. And sometimes they run away from the grittiness it needs to have grip. Mm 
Yeah. But grip is absolutely necessary for our product to continue and for people to want to come back week over week. We're not like the older days where, oh, well, if you wait for the pay-per-view, <laughs> you'll see the big bat. It's not that anymore. No. We need demanding, immediate action, and we can give that to them. And if people say they can't and you need long, drawn-out things, yes, you can mix those in as well. But you can still give the full show because the regular in wrestling has become just give them a little bit and give them a fuck finish and then give them the same match for five weeks and then we'll have a 12-minute version at the pay-per-view. Oh, who fucking cares? And I'll say it again, who fucking cares? Yep. By forcing the industry to move in the other way, they will have to keep up with us. Right now, they're going, we don't need Effie. We don't want Effie. That's just, he's crazy. He's this and this. Girl, give him two years. But it's it's going to be a whole different nation because it is outlaw mud show, mud show till the end of time here. DIY baby. <laughs> um, as we kind of uh, get close to wrapping up here, and I, I'm, I don't want to take up too much of your time today, it's just wonderful getting a chance to talk with you. Um, who, who for you, when you think of uh, favorite uh, artists, whether it be musical or actors, um, you know, even the product television show or movies. Who for you have been uh, some of your favorites to turn to to uh, either clear your mind or look for a little inspiration? Because as much as we love wrestling and it is our bloodline in our life, there's also those moments you have to take for yourself and go, oh, God, I can just kind of sit back and just kind of not think of that for a second or two and just get lost in this or that. What, what does that for you? Immediately, a story comes to mind, and it is, I bought front row tickets to see Rufus Wainwright sing oh. gay, beautiful music, and I took a booking. They said, we need you for this booking, the dog shittiest booking I've ever taken in Alabama, and I'm sitting here going, you know what? It's fine to take a Saturday night off to go to the concert, and your oh. stupid ass thought, oh, if I don't take this booking, I'll be gone forever. You can't oh. miss a booking. And I should have just said no, but I thought, oh, it's wrestling. You have to be committed. I love live music. I played viola for oh, wow. all of elementary, middle, and high school. I played guitar for a long time. I worked for bands for a long time. Uh, I'm a music guy. I love music through and through. And so, like, you know, if I'm at home listening, I blame my mother. But, like, I'm a very big, like, the Carpenters, like, soft 70s rock, like, Yacht me to sleep, baby. I'm into <laughs> ABBA. I like disco. I like gay music. Like, I love going to gritty ass wrestling shows, but like, I also like taking my boyfriend to the gay club and just dancing all night. Sure. It's having the balance now. You know, I left my shoot job right when the pandemic started. I just said, fuck it. I can't do this anymore mentally. And then there was a pandemic, and I go, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do any of this, but we're here. I'm still standing, Elton John. Uh, taking the time to say, okay, I don't have to be on every single thing. I don't have to do every single thing. I can take a moment to myself. It's beautiful to have that realization and to feel comfortable enough in yourself to have that realization because it makes your life so much better when you're going, you know what? I have an exciting wrestling show this weekend, but today I'm doing this and that's yeah. fun. Um, and, and again, the uh, event is loud and proud. Uh, Big Valley Wrestling is putting it on on Saturday, June 26th. Uh, you can get your tickets through Eventbrite. Um, final kind of question here uh you were recently in vegas uh you're you know obviously coming back for the show 
what are some of your favorite things to do in Vegas in terms of how do you uh, spend your time and unwind when you get a breath uh, here in the city that never uh, sleeps? Let me tell you something about Las Vegas. I've been coming to Las Vegas with a fake ID since I was 17. <laughs> and I am off alcohol eight years now. And so coming back to Vegas now as a grown man who doesn't drink alcohol, I'm looking around and I'm just like, I'm seeing the ghosts of my past. Because girl, I used to do Vegas. And now coming into town, like there's such, it's a little less pressure. And obviously like when you're in town with GCW, you don't sleep anyway. Those guys are crazy. They want to party. But there's still this magic feeling in Las Vegas of the the sort of like there's a brush it off of like whatever happens happens it's a crazy town there's something crazier happening right down the street nothing stresses me out in Las Vegas with everything being as loud as it is I think it finally like calms my attention disorder and with everything just going 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 I'm like oh this is nice I, I think I could just stand here in the cacophony of noise <laughs> um, and did you ever get a chance um, I know that he hasn't uh, been doing it for a couple years now once the show stopped on the strip did you ever get a chance to see uh, Frankie Marino's uh, drag show? I did not. Oh, oh, I man. want to. Oh, it, you know, I hope I hope they are able to come up with something and find a, a place to to start a new review because, oh, my God, um, the that's one of the things that I love about this city is that no matter if it's drag or you know a local local bands or lounge me i mean come on man lounge music is just <laughs> just so awesome Listen, i'll go i'll go sit at a dueling pianos bar till the end of time i don't give a damn <laughs> seriously uh, speaking of drag queens i was in vegas one time and we had gotten free tickets to see chris angel mind freak or whatever and this drag queen was out on the street and was like, what are y'all doing tonight? And we were like, we're going to see Chris Angel. And she was like, don't do that at all. Come to my magic show. And we went to the drag queen magic show and it was way better than Chris Angel. Uh, so listen to the drag queens. They're more interesting than Chris Angel. <laughs> I think that is the best piece of advice I've ever heard. And uh, yeah. Uh, on that note, um, Effie, uh, just so everyone knows, if they're not too familiar with your social media, um, how can they follow you uh, to make sure that uh, they're up to date on all this stuff that you're doing? So I changed my social media. It used to be Kill Effie, but after three years, no one could kill me. So now it's Effie Lives, E-F-F-Y-L-I-V-E-S. You can find Effie Lives on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, Pro Wrestling Tees, probably Facebook, I think. I don't know. I don't trust Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, and I think TikTok now. My boyfriend told me I had to get a TikTok, so we're going to figure that out. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> it's probably just going to be me bitching. It's going to be like no dance clips and just like, can you believe it? We'll see. Well, I, I love it. I love it. I, and I love, too, that it's like just throw, throw the boyfriend under the bus. He made me do it. He, he he did. Listen, he was like, "You need more followers. You need a TikTok." I was like, "Okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing here." He's like very handsome and tall, and he's hard to say no to when he makes a suggestion. <laughs> oh man, well, it's been a pleasure, Effie, and uh, thank you, listeners, for uh, tuning in. And again, please go to Eventbrite, um, get your tickets now for June 26th, loud and proud here in Las Vegas. It is supporting the LG. Uh, BTQ Center of Southern Nevada and um, you know it's it's just not only is it an important cause 
but again, you're going to see some really fun and good wrestling going on. And, um, you know, it's also, an, hey, I, I can never express, uh, say this enough. If you have kids, this is a great way to get kids interested into wrestling. So, you know, really consider, um, you know, telling your friends and, and bringing kids and, you know, let's get a, a big group of people out there. Let's sell this thing out because it's a very important cause. And uh, Effie's, you know, truly, you're, you're a trailblazer um, for what is now becoming an explosion uh, on the indie, indie scene for wrestlers who, you know, just five years ago might not have had the uh, the same opportunities that they do today. So, you know, thank you from the bottom thank of my you, heart. Thank you, man. I really, I really, man, it means a lot. And uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting.